What we assume about one another matters. After celebrating 12 days of Christmas, we observe Epiphany on January 6th. We tell the story of the Magi coming to see Jesus. Our scripture is not clear about how many of them there were or even what gender they were, but my five-year-old will tell you that there were three kings or three wise men. That's how the story seems to get told. That word epiphany can be translated as either an aha moment or a moment when God becomes recognizable. For the next several weeks between now and the beginning of Lent, we will read gospel stories that focus on aha moments that make Jesus's identity recognizable. These stories include Jesus's baptism, the first time he's recognized by others as the son of God, his calling of disciples, his first sermon, his first miracle. Every year on the first Sunday after Epiphany, which is today, we hear the story about Jesus being baptized in the Jordan River by John the Baptist. In Mark's version of the story, as Jesus comes up out of the water, the heavens open and the Holy Spirit descends upon him like a dove. A voice speaks from heaven, you are my son, the beloved, with you I am well pleased. The message translates it this way, you are my son, chosen and marked by my love, pride of my life. When we are baptized, God offers us these very same words. Our culture does a terrible job of this, but our tradition teaches us to assume that we are each beloved by God. We are all the pride of God's life. A version of this story is found in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Each rendering, when Jesus is baptized, this voice from heaven tells Jesus that he's beloved. The Episcopal Church recognizes baptism as a sacrament, which we define as a, quote, outward and visible sign of an inward and spiritual grace. Catholicism names seven sacraments. Protestant traditions acknowledge two in very Episcopalian fashion, we claim the middle ground, teaching that there are seven total sacraments, baptism, communion, confirmation, reconciliation, marriage, ordination, unction, but that baptism and communion are the primary two. We claim both seven and two. It's a trick question if you ever get asked it. Each of these sacraments are sacred rituals, connecting us with those who came before us as well as those who will come after us, while grounding us in the mystical quality of life. There's more to life than meets the eye. Many of us in this room have been baptized, though it's also true that many of us have not. And that's okay. All people of any age are welcome to take part. Baptism is not an insurance policy to go to heaven or stay out of hell. 
It's not a way to earn God's approval. It's not something to check off your spiritual to-do list. Baptism is our initiation rite, marking our formal entrance into the community of the church, speaking both to our need to belong and our need to welcome others, and allowing us to hear the same words that God said to Jesus, that we are beloved, the pride of God's life. Of all the special moments that I'm privileged to be a part of as a priest, I've got to say that baptisms are pretty high up there. I baptized a two-week-old and an 82-year-old, all ages of people in between. I've taken part in baptisms in large cathedrals and small country churches, and even while wearing a life jacket out in the middle of a very muddy lake, I remember each and every one. Baptisms are that special. It's important to say, however, that the age you were when you were baptized or where your baptism took place or even whether or not you've been baptized, none of this affects how God loves you. You are beloved because you're you. God breathed life into you. When God dreamed you up, God placed God's thumbprint on your soul. Your value in God's eyes is not contingent upon your baptism or anything else. And yet, those of us who've taken part in this sacrament have made certain promises to live out the values of the community that we've entered into. I want to encourage you on your own time sometime to go and read what we call our baptismal covenant. It is on page 304 in that Red Book of Common Prayer in front of you. These are some huge claims. Will you seek and serve Christ and all persons, loving your neighbor as yourself? We answer, I will, with God's help. Will you strive for justice and peace among all people and respect the dignity of every human being? Again, we answer, I will, with God's help. Of course, baptism is not a shield, nor is it a good luck charm. Hard things happen to people who've been baptized and those who haven't. Baptism will not ask nor answer all questions. Neither is baptism magic. We do not miraculously start to live differently just because water's been splashed on our heads. But it's not symbolic either. We believe that in baptism, something real and transformative happens and that great power is found when we take part in this ancient ritual in community. Every time that we gather together and make these promises and pour this water, we are reminded that we are beloved and that everyone else is equally beloved and that God expects us to treat one another accordingly with love, respect, dignity. That's a unique experience in modern life that has the effect of expanding our souls while nudging us to live just a little bit more like the people that God created us to be. Other than seeing you sitting here in your pew right now, how would someone recognize that you are a follower of Jesus? 
How are you putting into practice in your day-to-day life the assumption that God loves each person you encounter just as much as God loves you? Even those who are very different than you, even those that you struggle with and that you don't like, you don't agree with, how would someone know by looking at the way that you live your life that you believe each and every person is God's pride and joy? None of this is easy in today's climate, but it never has been. It's also not optional. In the name of God, amen.